Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Hot, everyone. This is John. And Kevin. And this week, guys, as always, to guess the topic of the next episode, we post a pic on Instagram letting you guys in on a little hint. Kevin, what did we post? Who got it, if anyone? We posted a picture of Jack Nicholson in The Departed saying this line. What we generally do in this country is one guy brings the items and the other guy pays him. No ticky, no laundry. And unfortunately, nobody got it. And it was actually banned in China. So if you want to learn why this was banned in China, stay till the end of the podcast and we will let you know. Yeah, this week we were actually talking about another censorship slash rating episode. The last one of our ratings and reviews. Part three, Se- if you will. Part three of, of the ratings. And we are covering the censorship and rating system in Asia. So we had the Hayes Code in the U.S. for the first episode. We had English-speaking countries abroad for the second episode. This third episode, we'll be covering the continent of Asia and the absolutely crazy shit that happens there. Get your bucket of popcorn ready for another new episode of Wicked Hot Movie Mayhem in 3, 2, 1. Wicked smart, wicked cool, wicked fucking stupid, whatever the fuck. Something wicked. My boy is wicked smart. Cause the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? As previously mentioned, as a continuation of our film rating system across the globe, we're heading to the Far East. See how these countries stack up in comparison to the U.S.'s MPAA. So... Although technically all three of these are in some way related to China, I'll be touching on the Republic of China, aka Taiwan, and Hong Kong, which operates as a separate entity to my main country, the People's Republic of China, or as everyone knows it, China, the the real China, the big China. Before I get into the PRC, I want to touch on Hong Kong as it's possibly the most liberal out of the three. So much like the current system in China, Hong Kong originally had no rating system implemented. And there was absolutely no way to advise viewers on what age category was suitable to view media. Their breakdown of its only three ratings, it's levels one, two, and three. And level two has now been replaced with two A and two B. Jesus. (laughs) So, and this is the, the liberal country. So currently for the first three categories, the classification, so that's 1, 2A, 2B. The classifications are just advisory. But the final one is legally enforceable, which is 3. Level 3. Level 3 is the legally enforceable one. So That sounds way, way worse than R. So it's like an R rating. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh shit, that's a level 3 movie. Like We've got to see it Anytime. on the DL. Honestly, anytime levels are concerned, I'm immediately jumping to Scientology. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> if, if it was in, you know, like in, in Scientology, you get ranks. Imagine if like yeah. the rated R is like, oh shit, that's a fucking Thetan. Um, <laughs> like that. 
That's the rating system. Hong Kong censorship has authority to approve every production to be shown. It then moves over to the Board of Review. They have 10 public members and an additional nine who are normal professionals. And then there are 300 additional volunteers who consult and advise the board on how to proceed with a classification. Wow. So it's kind of like a survey, if you will, of 300 volunteers. That may have the most members of any body combined. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Because MPAA only has like 20 or something, less than 20. Yeah, but if you think about it, I think this is like a part-time gig. It's like an NFL ref. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about a board of directors for a company, like those guys are usually like CEOs of another company or they work in politics. Yep. You know, it's just like, oh, show up, do this, and then and then go home, which I think is kind of how Hong Kong does it, which I like. I like that it it's given into people's hands. But at the same time, we know how terrible that could be end up becoming. When was the implementation of the classification system? Because it sounds like they had something before that, but they didn't know what, what to do with the movies. They're like, how do we let people know that, that <laughs> kids can't see this movie? It's like, we have no idea. They didn't have a classification system at all. It was just the movies came out and they were screened and there was no advisory at all. You just went to a movie and had no idea. But it actually changed when Hong Kong native John Woo. The director? Yes. Oh, wow. How coincidental would have been like another John Woo in fucking Hong Kong. I'm sure there's like <laughs> 10 million of them. Yeah, so John Woo, he released the film A Better Tomorrow, which came out in 1986. It starred uh, T. Lung and Chow Yun-Fat. You know Chow Yun-Fat from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Basically, oh, yeah. any sort of like high-wire uh, stunts, fighting movie. I don't know. It's like a fighting movie. It's Can a- I just say that I love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Love I haven't that seen movie. it in so long. It got a lot of shit when it came out, but I love that movie. Did you see the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Which was that only Pouncing Snake, Hidden Evil? <laughs> no, it, was not, it came out on Netflix like probably five years ago. What? Yeah. Sword of Destiny. Yeah, that's it. Ooh, this looks terrible. Yeah, it was a hard Bad. fall from the first one. <laughs> oh, that's why I know about it. Because it has Donnie Yen in it. Everyone's favorite uh, new martial artist guy. It man. Yeah. He's like in everything now. Yeah, he took the place of Tony Jaw. <laughs> Who's Tony Jaw? Tony Jaw. He was the guy in uh, Ungbok Warrior. <laughs> Dude, if you haven't seen Ungbok, please How do you watch. spell that? Ungbok. It's O N G B A K. Watch the double flying knee. (laughs) It's like the best scene in the movie. That's amazing. That is seriously amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this movie, Better Tomorrow, was a Hong Kong like cop movie, and it featured super realistic violence and themes that eventually pushed the Hong Kong government to pass uh, the movie screening ordinance three nine two. Two years later, in 1988. So that's basically how the Hong Kong system started. And that's basically all there is. Because for the most part, they're pretty liberal. The real thing here is how Taiwan and China are related. So 
Taiwan after the Chinese Civil War, they follow the same path. Um, Hong Kong operates, but it's more in line with most international rating systems. So it's pretty similar to uh, basically the same thing as the UK. So they have like zero for general audience, six requiring a parent uh, if you're between ages six and 11. And, but this was the only thing that was a little bit different. Ratings 12, 15, and 18 prohibit viewing for anyone under those ages, even with parental guidance. So if you're six, you can't go into a rated 12 movie regardless. Oh, so it's not. That's crazy. That's a really young rating. Yeah, 12 is young, but like it's, it's only, it's not like you can only go see that movie if you're within the range. (laughs) yeah true like like, no 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 this is for kids get the fuck out of (laughs) here now i already alluded to the fact that mainland china does not have a rating system as it stands so literally anyone can go to the movies regardless of the movie without supervision the only catch is obviously any film that is imported into the prc was reviewed by the state administration of press publication radio film and television (laughs) Damn, that's a mouthful. The SAPP RFT <laughs> dictates what films are not only allowed in, but also how much needs to be cut to be suitable for Chinese audiences. So speaking of film imports, the SAPP RFT was extremely selective on films were permitted to be released every year in China, which ended up being limited to 70 to 80 films that were allowed per year in China imported. Wow, is that why it takes so long for movies to come out there? I think so, because they're structured in a way that the first 30 or so are imported on a revenue-sharing basis. So it's between the state and the U.S. studio. So I guess there's negotiation with that part. The U.S. studio is basically trying to get in within that first bracket, because that's the bracket where they make a profit. Granted, they don't get the whole of the box office. The government gets half. So, damn, that's a lot of bullshit for an American <laughs> company to have to go through. But it's yeah. got to be lucrative or they wouldn't do it. Well, think of it but think of it this way and like I said, there are 80 films that are allowed to be shown and usually it gets to that point. I'm talking about the first 30 or so get this treatment. The second remaining limit, they're charged a flat fee for import and they don't give the studio a cut of the box office. So this leads me to question why any studio would ever agree to these terms. Wow. That's crazy. So are, is everyone trying to rush to get their movie released like early on in the year in China? I think so. I mean, like you hear about you. Well, you hear about movies that come out in like June or July here and they don't come out for like six or seven months in China. Right. So or, maybe or they miss the months, cutoff. Like, yeah, it's like, fuck, we can't come out with this movie this year. It's like, now we have to wait. Right. And I'm also thinking if someone is agreeable to the, agrees to these terms, I don't know if it's maybe to market the first film to maybe get the sequel in China the following years. But within the first tier, so like it's this is like marketing promo. All right, next year, maybe we can have more influence to get it on the list higher, you know? Yeah, I don't know just, if that works there, but it's really hard to believe that a company would agree to like it's basically like here's here's my movie for free 
<laughs> and yeah. by the way, you get to keep all the box office for it. <laughs> like they're, I guess they're only making money on selling the prints of the movie to theaters. Yeah. It, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It's got to be lower budget movies that come out after that 30. Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't think uh, Endgame is going to be, like, in that, in that, that. post-30. <laughs> no, post no, they're not. They're definitely not. But, yeah, I, that, that, the, that administration, I'll just call it the administration, that has the really long acronym, they ended up, this is more of a recent development, but... In the past year, that like uh, board or whatever was dissolved, and now all films that are being reviewed uh, in China are being reviewed by the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department. Oh my god! So this it's it's been going on for the better part of a year now, um, and I I haven't seen any new new developments on if it's becoming much more difficult to get things in. Honestly, it got me to thinking because if, if the Chinese Communist Party, the propaganda department is in charge of marketing, I want to see, like, you know, those old, like, Chinese, like, propaganda posters or, like, North Korean posters? Yeah. So I want to see every poster of every movie that is released in China with, like, that kind of style. <laughs> propaganda poster. Propaganda posters for movies. And, you know, who knows? Maybe when the Avengers movies are released in China now, they'll all be full-fledged members of the party and work in a fight for the proletariat. <laughs> but, yeah, I, the propaganda department is kind of it's concerning because I did a little bit of an interview with my intern who's from China, and he lives in the United States now as a student. And he watches movies here. He's a big fan of movies. He, and he watched movies in China. And he told me kind of how it works and how when Deadpool was denied the release in China, it was because of extreme violence and other like graphic content. So no one got to see it in theaters. So normally China censors work with the US-based studios, but with Deadpool there, it, it, it would have been just too much editing to clean up that the plot of the film basically wouldn't make any sense. And my intern was telling me that when that had happened, he and his college buddies, along with other kids, uh, basically just there was a huge influx of the usage of VPN to download and watch the movie. So a good portion of, and this is probably why uh, the U.S. studios don't make more money. I think there's a lot of abuse of this that to the point where, you know, how what studios feared with file sharing, like, oh, no one's going to go to the theater anymore. Yeah. That's here. And except it's not like your IP fucking that your ISP is going to rat on you to a studio. Yeah. So, you know, that, and, and so really the censoring is kind of like moot because people can still access VPN over it. And although technically that is illegal, and he also told me that people who got caught, like you wouldn't know they got caught unless you were like related to them because they just, they don't report that shit in the news. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So what, ha is it like a big deal? Is it a fine? Is it like jail time? 
I think it's a fine. Okay. So like, but it is technically, yeah, illegal. I don't know. I think maybe there is jail time as well, but yeah. Yeah. I don't He didn't know anyone that actually did it. So, but yeah, they were, they were all basically able to download it all. And even though VPNs banned, I mean, they, they still somehow get around it. So, well, not banned, but it's, you know, not accessible normally. Yeah. But yeah, in regards to Deadpool, speaking about comic book movies, China's the world's second largest theater market They compared to the U.S. And China has always done its best to make sure that these movies are screened for their audience. An exception, obviously, being Deadpool, as I previously mentioned. Uh, but another film that was affected was not outright banned, but it was 2017's Logan. And according to this Wall Street Journal article that was released around the same time Logan came out, it mentioned that the extreme violence that kept Deadpool from coming out to theaters didn't stop Logan. So there's a new classification, but it wasn't a rating. And it was passed that would warn moviegoers in China that a film contained content that would cause, or that would quote, cause physical and mental uneasiness towards the minors and other. End quote. <laughs> oh my God. So... Chinese moviegoers were pretty excited about this because they thought, oh, wow, I think they must have come up with a classification system and now... Now we can actually see a fucking movie. Now we can actually see a movie, right. It's like there was only, you know, G or PG, right? So they were kind of confused because what basically came out was more of an openness from the government advising its citizens what was cut out. So basically they'll warn you like, oh, the movie you're about to see we already censored it and cut what we wanted out of it. But, you know, it was pretty bad. So just just letting you guys know that. <laughs> but yeah, for Logan, the Chinese government ended up cutting out 14 minutes from the film. And when looking at a side-by-side -side comparison, there were a total of 58 cuts to the film. 44 scenes had alternative footage. So what's alternative footage? Like digital blood being removed. Mm. Any frames that showed impaling, slashing, severing or any other forms of extreme violence were cut oh if God. if there were scenes where any characters were bleeding the frame would zoom in further to omit those wounds from view and one of the funnier edits in the film was the usage of the character caliban he was the guy who couldn't be in the sun like the pale white dude yeah he in one part of the movie is exposed to light in the film and he burns like pretty badly but in the Chinese version, he just gets a rash and, and he screams pretty loudly in pain in the movie. And the Chinese censors softened the scream so they weren't too loud. Wow. Is, yes. This is crazy. <sighs> I, but that's not, I mean, it's not altering it. You're just basically turning it into, I don't know, it, it just becomes like a weird PG-13 version. Yeah, it's it's kind of well. Do they do this in conjunction with the studio, so the studio knows what they're cutting? Yeah, yeah, they do. It's not like you're like, okay. oh yeah, we accept it, and then they fucking mark it up. Although I feel like they could do that too, because yeah, there's no copyright violation in China. <laughs> That's true. Like they don't feel like uh, you know comply to like I think the international law, like where you can't just open a fucking you know Walt Disney Studio knockoff. <laughs> You yeah. know, in, in the UK and, and not get sued. Yeah. In China, you can. 
Wow. But yeah, the like uh, there I found I was able to find a website that kind of compares movies between the China version and the U.S. Uh-huh. Like they'll take still images, and it was basically Logan just like kind of punching everyone with claws, <laughs> if that makes sense. It was like if you had, do you ever do the thing where you put like the fucking three pencils in between your hand and your Wolverine now? Yeah. Well, imagine your fingers weren't as tightly tight around those pencils and were loose. So when you punch something, the pencils go in so you're basically saying that his claws are spring-loaded so every time he punched somebody they just like went back into his fist (laughs) that's correct yes okay spring-loaded fist uh oh another really interesting thing about logan is not just the violent stuff but china also and i honestly am going to give him credit for this they edit things for the sake of time with their supposed reason being, I mean, I guess a lull of action in the film. But you know the scene where he wrangles up some horses and he goes into the street where he meets that family or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Cut completely. Like, he only meets the family. Like, that's all that's shown. Him meeting the family. Wow. So not only is it, like, gore, but it's also censored for time. They're like, we don't got time (laughs) for this shit. We don't have time for exposition. Are you fucking kidding me? I know, I know, which I'll get into later about kind of how Hollywood criticizes Chinese audiences. But um, yeah, I, I do appreciate the time. I mean, if there's it's a stupid scene, you know, they're going to they're going to cut it. I actually kind of like that. I mean, I don't I you don't like him chasing the horses. I don't. Well, I don't like the fact that they're cutting something that the, the director wanted in because I feel like, you know, the director should have freedom to put in whatever the fuck they want in their own movie. It's true. But I also like the fact that I'm not sitting here fucking wasting time on him wrangling up some horses. <laughs> I like, know. get to the point. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's it's kind of like a comparison, Marissa, when she watched The Hateful Eight. Like you know how Quentin Tarantino has like these shots where it's just them in the environment. Yes. Marissa's not a fan of that, but I told her I'm like, well, it's. Like you're essentially getting to view the characters living in a world aside from just acting that one scenario, like the linear version of the movie, which I know that's why Quentin Tarantino did it. Sometimes it's definitely warranted. And I will say that Hateful Eight does it very, very well. Like just there being no talking, no dialogue, no nothing. And it's just them sitting there and it's still like building on to the story. It is because like when they're eating and stuff and they're all like, eat, I don't know. I just I find it interesting looking at a different person each time I view. I actually seen that movie pretty a couple times. I thought it was a great movie. Another movie that does it really well is uh, The Ritual. It's on Netflix. It's a horror movie. Um, but it's it has scenes of just like a forest and nothing else. And it's just like slowly zooming in and has like this ominous music to it. And it does it probably six times throughout the movie where it's like a 30 second clip and it doesn't it doesn't piss me off at all it like really adds to the uneasiness of the movie so there are times when that is definitely needed for a movie but i can't imagine that being like cut out of hateful eight or cut out of the ritual oh yeah no china china doesn't like that stuff so they'll they'll cut it out for the sake of time but yeah so they china actually doesn't just stop at film edits and not liking violence there are a lot of themes that china just does not get down with and will ban a movie outright if it's the underlying theme which is crazy that this 
specific film, an overall concept that's completely banned in China is the notion of time travel. What? Which, as you might have guessed, impacted Back to the Future and is banned in China. Do they know something we don't know? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> They've had it a rough time in the past where people have been like trying to go back in time and like make sure China's not communist or something. <laughs> and they're like, fuck, we can't not, we cannot let people see this shit. China's invented time travel. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, they're like, all these bitches are doing it wrong. <laughs> Fucking banned. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, the notion that time travel is banned is definitely linked to the fact that traveling to another time where communist China doesn't exist could rub the government the wrong way. I I think that's that's probably the the main reason. Yeah, but they don't they don't talk about that in Back to the Future. (laughs) As far as I remember, I mean, I'm racking my brain. Or is it just the idea of them being in that time and knowing Uh, that there's no communist China that they're like, no, fuck that. There's never been a time before communist China. doesn't exist. No, but it's interesting because Back to the Future, he goes back to 1955 and the People's Republic of China was founded in 1949. So it very much existed. I just don't think they're like, well, if Back to the Future is allowed, Back to the Future 3 travels to... 19 or 1885 or something like that yeah something like that something and the chinese communist china definitely did not exist during that time so maybe they were like well if we're gonna ban three we gotta ban the whole series or they time traveled to after three was out and we're like no can't go back so they banned the entire franchise knowing that three is gonna come out and go pre pre pre-communist china yeah maybe maybe well, the exact comment from the Chinese government was that time travel was, quote, disres- disrespects history. What? <laughs> so any movie that's, like, about history doesn't disrespect history it, as long as it doesn't have time travel in it? <laughs> so if The Last Samurai, there's yes. some time travel, it's like, no, fuck that. Yep, basically. God. Basically is, is what I'm trying to get at, yeah. I'm thinking, do they think that someone would go back in time and alter events that could possibly place them in jeopardy of not existing? Maybe they don't want to open the floodgates to filmmakers like trying to make movies like that. Right, in China. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of like a time travel movie before. Yeah, that makes sense. That That's definitely much more of, an, of a realistic but then you would think that they would just ban that movie because they can do that right like they they just ban the movie right so it doesn't make sense to ban it outright maybe cuz they don't want it to even be a moniker of thought cuz if you ban something then maybe yeah. people are going to talk about it i mean maybe not i don't know how it works in china they probably are like avengers isn't marketed at all it's just like avengers is out now go to the movies yeah that's probably how the movies are in China. There's like no movie trailers. So like about about your like pre like Back to the Future China thing. Like there, I just wanted to look at the themes of not only Back to the Future but all time travel films, TV shows. The time travel thing and why they probably don't like it as like a theme is 
if you've ever seen any of those movies, time travel movies, the person who's traveling back in time, they get accustomed to ways of the past and they sometimes even embrace it. Yeah. And they sometimes like it better than their own time. I mean, you could look at midnight in Paris. Owen Wilson fell in love with living in the past. That was like his whole thing. He hated having to come back in the morning every day. Yeah. Um, or even on a more comedic side, hot tub time machine has the same reoccurring theme where it's living in the past is better. Yeah. Like everyone, cause like you're in the know, you know how things are. Chinese audiences would think maybe if I were able to travel in time, that would be pretty cool to live and experience something other than what I'm used to. In which case can be translated to, Oh, maybe I can just move to some other place and I'll get that same effect. Yeah. Maybe China's just really deep thinkers and are thinking of like the, the deep message behind the film. Like everyone else just watches some, I mean, there are people that think deeply about a movie's message, but some people just go to the movies and just like consume it and then go home. Yeah. I think, I think China's thinking like, that. yeah, I think China thinks everyone here is like a film critic. That's trying to get into like the theory of, of the yeah. film. Like everyone's a, th a film theory professor. That's a Chinese audience member. They're like, fuck, they're going to see that parallel. Yeah, I could. That That is a good point. I could see that. Like it not even having anything to do with China, just the fact that there is time travel, like could put it in somebody's head. But again, like I like to be immersed in a movie and what's going on in a movie. And I don't really care what's going on outside of it. And I don't really care after I leave about the themes of it. Like nothing really touches my soul when I'm in a movie like I'm look. I'm looking for like production aspects of it and like story. That's like all I care about. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I do see some things. But other times, I just don't care enough. Unless it's like a really good movie. I'm but like, then oh, you shit. could draw. Do you see things that you could draw a parallel to where it's like time travel? And I wonder what life is like. Like I, I never think of that when I see Back to the Future. I'm not like. Oh, I wonder what it's like in the in the eighteen eighties, and I, I would love to li like. I don't care what America was like in the eighteen eighties. Like, why would a Chinese person care that much to where they're like, they start a revolution against communist China because of they because they saw Back to the Future. Uh, I understand China's need for censorship, but I can also see how Hollywood creatives criticize the market because, like I was saying earlier, before. Hollywood studios that their perception is that China seems like they don't understand art <laughs> and they only want to see big budget action movies, which is true. It they well true in the sense that Chinese audiences like seeing big budget action movies over those that are considered like Oscar bait or artsy movies. Yeah. And I think it just falls under comprehension. I mean, I wouldn't see like a draw like a if there was like a Chinese made movie, I'm not going to see a fucking drama or like a comedy. I'm not going to understand in that country, like what, unless it's like slapstick, which I guess is kind of universal, but yeah, you know, you're not going to really draw the parallels and Chinese audiences are not going to want to watch a movie where they can't relate to anything, you know? Yeah, that's true. And it's easier for them to just sit down, watch un and understand an action movie. Or a comic book, comic book movie more so than a drama. Yeah. Like, if it's like a fucking like British period piece, they're like, oh, they, I, 
this means nothing to me. Yeah, they're not in a Downton Abbey there. But yeah, it's funny because on the other side of the coin, Hollywood has gone straight to exploiting their backup plan, which is China. China, in a way, has kind of become like the last stand for Hollywood. If a movie bombs with U.S. audiences, they just they have that um, another chance for that you know their studio to recoup their own their money from a successful campaign that's marketed towards Chinese audiences. So if if you don't do well in the U.S., you can at least get some money back in China because of how huge, like I said, it's the second largest audience in the world. Yeah. They become so reliant on entering the Chinese market for a multitude of films that are, like we said before, like with the other way it's censored of no violence, no time travel, no graphic content. China, that's not the only, like those themes and stuff isn't the only thing. Obviously they don't like it when people show China in a bad spot. Yeah. They're like North Korea that they just no matter how the China is portrayed in media, literally anything that is inherently Chinese is closely examined with a fine-tooth comb. And when Sony's emails were leaked during that whole fiasco with the interview, yeah. You remember when like there were a bunch of emails from Sony? <clears throat> yeah. There were emails uncovered between Sony executives and a Chinese state administrator in regards to the release of Pixels, that Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. So a New York Times article outlined the excerpt about having, or about the issue of having the Great Wall damaged. And the email read, uh, quote, I read the script. Uh, and then he's like, whatever, did you get my notes? Even though breaking a hole on the Great Wall may not be a problem, as long as it's part of a worldwide phenomenon, it is actually unnecessary because it will not benefit the China release at all. I would then recommend not to do it, end quote. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so was that cut from the Chinese version or the, all of the versions? Um, actually, it, it was cut from, I, you know what? I think it was only cut out of the Chinese version. Okay. Because the studio ended up rewriting that the Taj Mahal in India is destroyed instead. So I don't know. I've never seen the movie. So if anyone could back it up, that maybe the Taj Mahal is the worldwide release. In that case, that's fucking crazy that they edited the whole movie for the worldwide release. Yeah. Or they just made a separate thing. They're like, fuck it. You... The Indians won't care. <laughs> like that. That was, <laughs> they're like, the Chinese are too concerned about the great wall. They're like, fuck it. Indians yeah. will be fine with this. But yeah, the, the, the censorship compromise that's kind of happened in Hollywood isn't just because that two thirds of the international box office comes from China, but Chinese investment in us films. There, I mean, there it ceased in 2016, but coincidentally, when the Chinese Hollywood co-production The Great Wall was released, anyone remembers it was a huge flop. It was surrounded in controversy, yeah. and this is also the time when they stopped investing in movies, in U.S.-based movies. Okay. Supposedly, I don't, I don't know if this has changed recently because I know there's that whole trade war that's going on that I know would have Im direct impact on film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to give perspective on the control that China has on Hollywood, Chinese media groups invested a billion dollars to help finance Paramount Pictures' full slate of films. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know if you can remember um, 
every Mission Impossible movie since like Mission Impossible 3, they've had Chinese backers. And now before any, I think it's like after Paramount, once the Paramount logo goes, it says Alibaba Pictures. Yes. And it's like the the Chinese logo. That's so most of like the investors are Chinese. But yeah, I think the billion was for all their movies in a three year span. Wow. Yeah. So the Chinese government is essentially setting up shell corporations. And the oh, I don't know if they're shell corporations, but it seems like that's what it is. And that corporation will finance the film. And that's also how they recoup their money through that company. So that company <laughs> makes the profit sharing like they're a production company. They are investing, but that's how they get for the, you remember I was telling you about the 30, the first 30 films that come in, yeah. they do like profit sharing. Yeah. That's how they do it. That's crazy that, how is that not illegal? Cause that sounds like something that's illegal in America. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like a government creating, well, because they're like separate. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that can't be legal. I well, I, I'm sure it's not illegal in China, but how is it le- legal for an American company to work with a Chinese company knowing that? Um, I think it's just because that's they're doing it in China, but you, I think they have to put the credits of them. I mean, yeah, they have to as a, as yeah. a logo for the investors. So who's to say all of those companies that they show are just not like made up shit that some graphic designer has like in the Chinese government's, uh, you know, desktop folder of <laughs> shell company logos and, yeah. and, uh, animation for pre movies, pre film showing. So now every time I see a Chinese title card before a movie, I'm going to think, God damn, that's the Chinese government shell <laughs> <Yeah>. company. <laughs> so I want to talk about the censorship and the rating system in the country of Japan. And it actually dates back to before movies were even a thing. So it actually started um, around 1868 with the Meiji Restoration. That was around the time there was a major political shift and the capital moved from Kyoto to Tokyo. Um, And it was basically... an anagram of the the same name. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The government began to heavily censor any Western ideas, pornography, political writings, anything critical of the emperor of Japan. In the 1800s, they were getting movies? And the government. Or this no, just... this is pre-movies. Okay, all right. This also bleeds into movies as well. That's kind of why I wanted to cover it. So um, they basically wanted to control the spread of information uh, from 1868 on. Uh, the censorship of the materials increased from this point. They used ongoing wars to increase police powers and penalties for censorship basically. So there's like law law enforcement out there like just censoring people like doing raids, like cracking down on on censorship just in publication, radio, stuff like that. Jesus. In 1928 the death penalty was added for punishments uh for certain violations. For violating that there was death penalty? Yeah. For violating like um Criticizing the Emperor of Japan in a publication, you could get the death oh, penalty. Okay. Damn. Yeah. So in 1940, Japan created the Information and Propaganda Department. And that basically um, 
covered any publication, movies, TV, radio. Were they getting international movies at this point yet or no? No, they were not getting international movies. Okay. And around that time, they basically eliminated freedom of press. They seized control of all of the uh, newspaper companies and either made them merge into one or they like forced them to stop publication. And it's funny because, so this all stemmed from um, 1868, them not really wanting any Western influence, anything Western was bad at this time. So during World War II, the Japan government uh, actually started censoring movies. It was their job to censor movies. And the Interior Ministry of the Police Bureau was responsible for censoring any movies or publications at that time. Is that like on a local level or is that? No, it's on a national national level. Okay. So anywhere. Okay. So it's like the national police or whatever. Right. Right. Okay. The censorship was merged into the motion picture law of 1939. So, so it encompassed both of those things. Yes. Okay. So after the war ended and you have the allied forces occupying Japan, uh, they had they had implemented the Western uh, production code, which we talked about in the MPAA episode. Yeah. The Hayes Code. They implemented the Hayes Code, a Western rating system into Japan after the war ended. It was because that the United States was basically took over. All yeah, and it was actually um, implemented by General Douglas MacArthur himself in Japan. Well, really? Yes. I think Douglas MacArthur was pretty conservative, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So at that time, they were implementing the Hayes Code and basically had uh, the same guidelines for movies back then. And it was there was like three bullet points for movies back in Japan during this time. It was, no picture shall be produced that lower the moral standards of those who see it, correct standards of life, subject only to requirements of drama, and entertainment shall be presented. So basically, you can't show like any debauchery or anything like that. Right. No drug use. Traditional values. Right, right. Which is weird because it's a Western value and that they don't have those, the same values in, in Eastern culture. Right. And the last one was law, natural or human, shall not be ridiculed, nor shall sympathy be created for its violation. So basically, you know how we talked about with uh, right. prohibition and stuff like that you know you couldn't have yeah. any alcohol you couldn't have anything like that same thing Damn, goes for no japan sake? no sake no <laughs> japan's governing body which was basically imp implementing the Hayes code at this time was known as irin kanari linky and they called it irin for short so at this time and even to this day a movie cannot come out in japan without displaying the irin logo during the title sequence of a movie. So it either has to be at the beginning title sequence or at the end title sequence, but it has to be at the beginning of one of those. So what? It's like the opening credits and it has that? Or is it like the logos? Like, oh, Paramount Pictures, and then it's the Erin logo. It's the Erin um, title card, but then it's also like a stamp that goes with like the title of the movie. You know how like... Captain Marvel at the end shows the Captain Marvel title card. In Japan, it yeah. would say, like, Eren on that as well. Oh, okay. All right. 
just to signify that it was approved by that governing body. Right, 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 right. So Aaron has no legal power to ban films or cut or censor anything in Japan. But the Japan Association of Theater Owners is forbidden from showing any movies that are not approved by Aaron. So basically... They're banned. They're banned. (laughs) (laughs) It's banning movies without saying that they're banned. They just recommend not to show them. Yeah, it's like, if a movie is going to be banned in Japan, it's just not classified by Aaron. It's not like, oh, this movie's banned now. It's just like, oh, this movie's never going to come out. It's it's basically a nicer saying. Yeah, it's a nicer way of saying that a movie is banned without saying that it's banned. Right. So the unrated rating, aka the lack of a rating, is a banned movie. Yes, kind of like so Australia. No unrated cuts. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> yeah, Australia. No like, cuts. If it's not rated, it's banned. So actually, this kind of blew me away a little bit. So the organization, and <laughs> tell me if this sounds familiar, the organization hired examiners from the movie industry, financed by the movie industry. Does that yeah, sound it familiar? Like the MPAA. It does. <laughs> and this, is, this got huge criticism in Japan. So much so that they had to change it. So you're saying it's not like that now? No, it's not. They had to bring in outside people to rate movies in Japan because people were not having the fact that the studios were involved with rating movies. That's great. Yeah, I love that. It's actually a um, public, public board for public people by public people, not by a fucking... (laughs) guy who's like oh, I want my working for out. paramount at the time yeah 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 well that's i right now currently japan is on my top rating system right now that's that seems like i don't know if you're gonna lose me later but i i don't think i'm gonna lose you honestly i think okay, japan right. may have one of the best rating systems so far that we've talked about okay so they brought in some outside uh commissioners in 1956 and they moved into like a self-financing independent body. So they're free from government. Uh, it's just an independent thing, kind of like MPAA and all that stuff. Oh, so they've been doing the for people, by people, with people thing since like the 50s. Yeah. Yep. That's a long time. Okay. It I thought is that a long was more time. recently. Okay. Yeah. It, and especially in the 50s, that's a pretty liberal way of thinking because, you know, MPAA, yeah. even at that time, is still pretty strict. Oh, I agree. So you have... You have basically two ratings uh, during this whole time. You have G and PG-12. So G, obviously, general audience, PG-12. Nobody under 12 can see the movie. Okay. In 1998, they released two more ratings. It was R-15 and R-18. Okay. And basically, uh, this kind of works the same with Australia and and, uh, Great Britain that, you know, you can't... They, like you can get fined for showing somebody under those ages that movie whereas right. in america it's like as long as there's a parent it's not really that big a deal <laughs> yeah yeah imagine if you could like get someone arrested like oh my god he showed my son an r-rated film yeah it's like oh that's bad unlike some of the more open countries about how they rate movies Erin does not tell you why they rate movies the way they do there's basically eight criteria and that's themes language sex nudity violence horror and drug use (laughs) and criminal behavior 
so much like the UK horror is its own. Yeah. Also context too. So you can have like drug use, but it has to be within context of something more hard. Like it can't be a drug user that fucking dies on the street in the gutter or like why he's on drugs. Yeah. They, so they rate stuff based off of that. So like anything with like drug use where it has a bad context to it, like automatic R18 plus. Oh, wow. So again, that's like going back to Australia. Like they had those same similar themes. Whereas if like it, it hits one of those themes, hits like a higher bracket. It's like automatically rated in that in that bracket, like R eighteen, R fifteen. Wait, so is R eighteen like NC seventeen or is it like rated R? Um, it's rated R. It's like American rated R. Okay. R fifteen is like R R P G thirteen. Okay. But like more extreme repercussions. Correct. Yeah. So it takes those eight criteria into account and that's basically how they rate movies. It's it's not very broken down how Australia and UK are. And it doesn't explain why, like, what's banned or what, what makes something R18 or R15 or, or PG. It doesn't really explain that. It's just, like, at the discretion of the Raiders. So if you have a really uh, conservative person, like, you might get a different rating. Right, right. Erin consists of uh, five commissioners with various backgrounds, um, but they're all supposed experts on these policies and these themes um, to where they say that it's very, very rare that they have two raters disagree on a rating. Uh, that just seems like they have a guideline then. <laughs> it, like, it, I, it seems like they have an internal guideline that is not public because this is similar to the MPAA. Like they don't say why they rate stuff the way they do. And it's also hidden on like who's on the board. So they cons- it consists of uh, five staff members, nine examiners, and they're all responsible for reviewing about 600 films a year. Which, again, you said that uh, China had like 300 people. Like, this is... Yeah, 300. Yeah, 300 people that are like basically the people that kind of recommend things to that board. Yeah, so this is... The, the Japan only has 14 people on their board. Oh, so yeah, that's the difference. And it's you know, by the way, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, not China, because China doesn't have a rating system. Right, right, right. Hong Kong. Right. Yeah, yeah. At least they tell you the number of people, though. Yeah, true. Because the MPA, we don't know, right? The the number's never been released, or has it? I don't think the number is remember. released. I, I know okay. the raters aren't released, but um, I don't think the number of raters are released. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think I may be back. On to maybe Japan isn't the best. I mean, that seems a little excessive. It is. It is. And there has never been and still isn't a woman on the board. It's not. It doesn't yeah. say specifically <laughs> that women are banned from being on the board. But in the, you know, 60, 70 year history, there's never been a woman on the board. Still isn't. Yeah. And I could see that in Japan, honestly. Yeah. It seems very patriarchal there. I could be wrong, but perception at least. Aaron's secretary general said that he kind of broke down how they watch the movies and, and kind of how they rate them. So he said that uh, movies have at least two raters, which I think is way too little to have for a movie. Yeah, so you have like w- only two opinions? Yeah. On yeah. what it should be rated. 
and, and they all conveniently get along. <laughs> yeah, and he said that most of the most of the movies are rated unanimously between the two people, I guess. Okay. So and and um he goes on to say that on occasions where examiners disagree or the film objects, they can bring in another raider. But there's no like appeals process. You know how there is with Australia where it's completely separate? Right. No, it's just like some other guy down the hall who's also a raider. They just bring him in and he breaks the tie. Yeah. And I'm sure it's probably not from watching it. He probably just comes in and they're like, which one? Yeah. Uh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have fucking 300 more movies to look at, so I don't have time for this. Erin <laughs> funds itself uh, pretty different than any other rating system. Like MPAA doesn't really have, they don't charge you to rate the movie. It's right. with Erin, um, with it's 2,740 yen per minute, which is roughly $25 a minute. Oh. So I broke it down. <laughs> I broke down Infinity War. It's two hour and twenty nine minutes. So that would cost four hundred eight thousand yen or three thousand seven hundred twenty five US dollars. Okay, that's not un, un, that's not crazy. It's not bad, but again, if you're if you're a small budget movie, like let's say you're a fifty thousand dollar budget movie, like three thousand dollars just to get it rated in Japan, fuck. Yeah, that's expensive. Well, I also think. At least when we're talking about international movies, they're not fifty thousand dollar indie movies not gonna be released in Japan. Or you're saying a Japanese fifty thousand dollar movie. Maybe a Japanese one. I'm thinking like yeah. I'm thinking like uh paranormal activity. You know, that was done for like a hundred thousand dollars. Like the right. budget didn't really warrant being able to get it rated in Japan for like, you know, three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Almost four thousand. Probably didn't get released in Japan then. Yeah. So the Secretary General also said that uh, the Raiders are required to retire at age 67. And he said most of the Raiders are in their early 60s. So you're getting only males, only, only, males. only 60s and above. Like, you're not so getting the most liberal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're not getting the most liberal stuff there. You know, maybe it was because I know... Obviously, like you were saying, like Japan taken over by Western powers. This was probably like the only way for like those older people that lived before Western influence yeah, to really have power to kind of censor something for like the old ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of a way to recoup that power that had been lost. I would think maybe. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Just random thought. Yeah. So I wanted to talk... A little bit, I don't want to go into a ton of detail, but I want to talk about uh, like pornographic or at least uh, scenes of nudity in movies. Let's so, get into the detail here. So if you've seen... What movie, what time? What's the time <laughs> <stuff>? <laughs> if you've seen any um, movie with nudity in Japan or any porn that comes from Japan, always censored. All the genitalia is always censored. So that actually stems from a law, Article 175 of the Criminal Code of Japan, which is specifically in regards to pornography and nudity. Article 21 of the Japan Constitution guarantees freedom of expression and prohibits formal censorship, except when it comes to pornography. So it basically says that you can show whatever you want, like literally anything you want, as long as it's censored out, like it's blurred out. 
That doesn't make any sense. And Why not just ban it entirely? Yeah, I I have no idea. <laughs> but the law also carries a very, very hefty penalty for not doing it. So there have been several porn production companies that operate in Japan that were not censoring stuff. Um, oh, shit. And they were prosecuted, and they're in prison and faced huge, huge fines. Wow. So the same also goes so, for movies <laughs> as well. So then I don't understand. Are, like, Japanese people who are watching porn, is it just, like, sil- like blurred-out images? Like, oh, yeah, look at that blurred-out penis or something. <laughs> like, you can't even see it. Yeah, yeah. They, they're not required to blur out anything except genitalia. So, like, tits, they don't have to be blurred out. Interesting. But that's weird because, like... I just it just things of the the Instagram post that we did that censored thing from yeah. uh, this film is not yet rated yeah that's what they're seeing no they're seeing pixelated version of it so it's pixelated you can still see what? you can still see what's going on but it's pixelated I mean yeah that's interesting <laughs> also weird. also in this code pubic hair completely banned cannot show pubic hair. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> so that's basically the rating system in Japan. It's pretty much been around since 1956, and it hasn't changed much. In 1998, we got the implementation of R15 and R18, and that's still what we have today, and that's how they rate stuff. So when they made sure to work it out, and they were like, all right, we're done now. Yeah, you know, you get the MPAA changing all the time, adding, you know, changing yep. NC-17, Yep. Adding PG thirteen UK. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, they they kind of figured it out in nineteen fifty six, and then changed it in ninety eight, and then you know it, it's been what it what it has been basically since fifty six. All right, I guess we can go ahead and close it up with our last question of the day, as well as revealing why the Departed was banned in China. So, just for everyone out there, Departed was actually banned in China because there is a scene where they're illegally selling the microprocessors. <laughs> That's how they say it in the movie. Yeah. To the Chinese, insinuating that a war between China and the U.S. would happen and that they were obtaining military tech illegally. So I so, don't know why you just couldn't cut that entire scene out and not just ban the whole movie. Maybe if it's violent, they'll cut it out. But if it's anything bad about China, they just are like, nope. I thought it was the um, no ticky, no laundry thing. I thought they would be offended by that. uh, No, because I don't think they do that shit in China. (laughs) In China, they're speaking Chinese. No, I I guess, I mean, I know that people have been, like, I think Miley Cyrus was banned from China because she did, like, the Chinese eyes, like, the slanted eyes one time. So, yeah, I guess anything that you're making fun of China or Chinese people it's banned, but in this case, it wasn't banned because of that it was banned because they don't like it when you're showing a fake thing of them buying these these chips for missiles. So they should have done but, what Red Dawn the remake did, which was have all these Chinese people in the movie and then just change the flag to North Korea. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have to say that they're Chinese. Just say that they're North Korean. Wait, I thought they were North Korean. They were all Chinese? Yeah, yeah. Red Dawn, the remake, was supposed to be Chinese, but 
it was like a huge outrage. So they they digitally changed all the flags to North Korean. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the movie that was released in the United States was also North Korea. Yeah, and like the main uh, antagonist, the guy is clearly Chinese. Like he doesn't even look Korean at all. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I never saw that movie, so I don't know. All I know is fucking Drake and Josh were in it, right? Josh was. Josh Peck. Josh was. Yeah, yeah Josh Peck. Who looks like uh, Andrew Grenier now, all of a sudden. Yeah, he does. Garnier, yeah. right? He looks exactly like him. Yeah, he does. He's got like the perma five o'clock shadow with like the really like pale, like the piercing blue eyes. Yeah. So, nice contrast. No. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah let's get into the last question and what is the most ridiculous banning of a film in china the departed christopher robin or what? tomb raider why the hell is christopher robin banned <laughs> i am so glad that you asked can't have talking bears so recently there was a picture between a handshake of president xi jinping and the Japanese president, Shinzo Abe, they had this really weird handshake. And then there was a meme made between a handshake of between a handshake between Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore. And they said that that picture was that scenario. But then they took it even further and said, started memeing the fact that Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh, regardless of that picture. That's so then why the movie start, was banned? It was banned. And also, I was talking to my intern about this, and if you searched Winnie the Pooh, it no longer exists in China. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't even buy a book or the old cartoon? Nope. or Oh, my banned God. Banned the image, banned the cartoon, banned the movie with Ewan McGregor. Winnie the Pooh for the... Wow. Does not exist. That Doesn't sounds exist. like some North Korean-level shit. It is. It is. You got to see one picture though. There's a picture of <laughs> of Resident G like in a limo, but like out of like the sunroof. He's just like standing there, like waving or whatever. Uh -huh. And there's like a toy of Winnie the Pooh on like this like fucking like Lego car, like side by side. <laughs> it's just like that's that's the level of meme potential he has become, and now has banned all of that imagery. And then uh, Tomb Raider 2, and this is the Angelina Jolie one. They said that they portrayed Chinese uh, people poorly. Uh, that's basically all that I could find. Do they? I can't even really. Either way, it's it's <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Like Christopher Robin. Yeah, I agree. basically got Robin's banned because of a meme. Like what? what movie can say that? None, none. I remember when this happened too. This shit was fucking crazy. But yeah, Christopher Robin, I will agree with that. Wow. All right, guys, let us know your thoughts on what the most ridiculous banning is. And as always, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We really appreciate it. Get those like buttons. Get us out there to all those people that you know. We know you love us. Let others love us as well. You can always find us on iTunes or any other podcast platform, including YouTube, uh, audio version only. And we also have t-shirts, T-Public, guys, T-Public, Wicked Hot. We have a couple of pretty cool Marvel-themed t-shirts. Captain Marvel's out, obviously. Plus, we got Infinity War or Endgame 
at the end of April. So get your gear before going to see the the final chapter. Uh, Kevin, I think that's all we have for today. We'll see you guys in two weeks on another episode of Wicked Hot Movie Mayhem. Bye, everybody. Bye.